we um, gather our offerings this morning, um, uh, just a reminder that what we're doing for the first three Sundays of this brand new year, 2017, before we get back into the book of Acts, that what we're doing is we're looking at a, a three-part um, message called the New Year's Revolution, and that's a revolution with a V uh, and not uh, an S. So as our uh, children are invited to go worship and uh, to study the Word of God together, that's what we're going to be doing here. And so in just a couple minutes, what we're going to read together is Psalm number 1, verses 1 to 3. So you can turn to it in your Bibles if you like. It'll be up on the screen for you. Just three short verses. But as uh, last week we talked about Jesus being a radical revolutionary. Remember that? Looking at Jesus being radical. And we looked at what does it mean to be radical? That word means to cut to the root. To cut right to the, the cause of things. And that's what Jesus did. But He did it with a revolution of love. At a, as a radical revolutionary. We also saw that God is the God of new things. That that is um, hope for us as followers of Christ and hope hope for this new year. There's always hope in Jesus. Do you believe that? There's always hope no matter what He allows us to go through. No matter what life might bring its way. No matter what things happen in this world. I can see it. Nobody, nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. Thank you. No matter what life may throw at us, we know that there is always hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And part of that, the reason for that, as we, as we saw last week, that He is a God of new things. A new covenant. A new kingdom. A new command Jesus gave. And so with a new year upon us, there is hope. Because God makes all things new. He does that for us. We looked at a verse that said He makes streams in the desert. And away in the wilderness. Isn't that awesome? That's what God does for us. And it's revolutionary. It's revolutionary because Jesus came to usher in a kingdom. Remember, He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand or the kingdom of heaven is near. Because He was ushering in a brand new kingdom that would replace the corrupt system that the religious leaders of the day had instituted and were leading the people astray. And so in our second part, of this idea of a New Year's revolution, what I wanted to do is simply look at the very first psalm, Psalm chapter 1, just Psalm 1, and it's verses 1 to 3. It's probably very familiar to you, but I think this is a great passage of Scripture to begin the new year with. Adding to the ones we looked at last week, to be able to be reminded of what does it look like to be blessed. Now I think... um, most of us, if not all of us, as we approach the brand new year and, and last week, you know, New Year's Eve coming up and everything that we probably did, make some New Year's resolutions. Normally it's about getting healthier. Maybe it's about going back to school, about being uh, more disciplined with your finances, being a better parent, uh, things like that, right? And so lots of resolutions that many, many people make. But is it one of your resolutions or one of your uh, ideas for a revolution this year in your your life and your walk with God is to be more blessed. And what does it look like to be blessed? I mean, when you think about it, don't we all desire and pray for blessings, right? Isn't that a big part of what we pray for when we have a, a, our prayer time or we get together with others and we pray? We're praying that God would bless somebody or bless us with something or for a particular reason, whatever that might be. We might think it even trivial at times, but to God it's not because of how much He loves us. And so we pray for blessings, but what does that mean and what does it look like to live a blessed life? What does it mean to even be blessed? So perhaps it's a word that you've said many, many times, and it's one of those words that we use a lot in the church and in our walk with God, but perhaps not giving it a a thought that it really deserves. And so perhaps for this new year of 2017, one of your resolutions to become more committed to, or perhaps even 
a revolution would be that we would pray to live a blessed life. And so the prescription for that is very simple. It's very clear. It does not need to elude us. And so as we go through our day to day and we, we might wonder what, it doesn't seem like God is blessing or I pray for things and they, they don't come about. Well, God is very clear in His Word. We're going to see in the very beginning of Psalm 1. How is it that we can live a blessed life? And what is it that we're supposed to seek out to be blessed by our Creator? And so if you look at Psalm 1, 1 to 3, I'll just read it for you. Uh, it's just the three verses. It'll be up here. And so here's what it says. Very familiar to, to most of you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does... He prospers. Now we're going to look at this verse by verse. There's only three. There is so much packed in there. We probably can't get to all of it this morning. But there is quite a bit in there. And maybe this is one of those verses when you became a new believer uh, that you decided that you wanted to um, that you wanted to memorize. And so I would encourage you and even challenge you that this would be a great way to start the new year to memorize these three verses. You've probably heard it many, many times. Maybe in a different version uh maybe in their niv or the king james version whichever one you tend to prefer but but of course the meaning is the same and and most of the words are used the same way and so what a great way to start the new year to say god i do want to be blessed this year i want to seek your blessings but what does that look like and how do we do that so it'd be great if we could memorize these verse these verses because as we focus on it this morning you're going to see all that God is telling us. And he makes it very clear about how we can live a blessed life. And so first of all, before we even get into the the specifics of these three verses, let me just remind you of this. So the book of Psalms, if you've ever read through it, uh, it is a book of worship. It's a worship book. We use it as uh, as Christians. Of course, the the Hebrews use it, the people of Israel, the, the Jews, they use it as their was called the Psalter, or their songbook, right? And so it's chock full of all different kinds of songs. You know, you listen to the radio and you hear all different styles of songs. There's kind of slow, like, love songs, and then there's kind where people are, like, crying out, and then there's some that even seem to have a little bit of frustration or anger in it. It's all in the Psalms. And hopefully you've noticed that before, but I would also encourage you sometime this year, make sure you read through the Psalms. There's so many in there. There's Psalms of Wisdom. There's psalms of, of, uh, of praise, worship. There's all kinds of poetry in there. It's beautiful. But you know what's really interesting is that this psalm, Psalm 1, is really sort of an introduction to the whole book of psalms. Actually, in some early manuscripts that we have, it is actually separated out from the rest, kind of like a preface or an introduction. Because all that unfolds in Psalm 1, especially the first three verses that we're going to look at today, it really is sort of is a summary of the whole book of Psalms. And so you want, if you wanted to get an idea of all that's in Psalms and all its complexities, you can kind of get a great summary right here this morning in the first three verses. And so Psalm 1 is, is kind of like an introduction to the whole book of Psalms. There's two basic subjects that are foundational, two issues that are, that are brought about in, this, in these three verses and in this psalm that are foundational to the whole book of Psalms. And it's this, that in God's view, which would mean it's the truth, there's really only two ways to live. Being obedient to Him or disobedient. Walking in the way of righteous, or what what Psalms would call the wicked or the sinners. Those who seek after the truth and those who do not. There's the righteous and the wicked. Look at it this way. There is the world... Or the word. There is living after the things of this world, or if you just drop off that L, it is the things of 
God's Word. The Word of God. And that really is the crux of what he says here. You'll see it in verse 2. And so, the summary of the all book of, of Psalms, in, right here in the first three verses of Psalm 1, kind of just, already just brings us right to that point. That there are two ways to, of living life. There are two main points listed here. That we would be those who are blessed because we are seeking righteousness. Or those who are wicked because they are being disobedient to God. And so we're going to sort of unpack that a little bit. Two choices. To be blessed and fruitful. Or to truly be, in the end, unhappy and being judged. It comes down to our choice. But we truly must pursue righteousness by faith, obeying His commands. Now, this word in the, the Hebrew, sometimes it's really good to kind of get an idea of what the original word is like without getting into too much detail. Perhaps um, this, this can help us to understand it. The word blessed, especially in this use, is plural. So in the Hebrew, in the original language it was written in, it is plural. So it's like you're, you're blessed. Blessed is, is, right? You get ahead in the S there. You are truly blessed. It's like saying... You're really, really, really blessed. That's what it's saying. So it's not just one blessed, it's plural. So it's got that connotation of many, many blessings. Really, truly blessed. But the word blessing actually simply means to go straight. To go straight ahead and straight forward. It means to stay on track. It means that you are happy because you are you are on track according, we know, to God's will. And blessing comes from growing by the Word of God. You'll see as this, these three verses progress. So we know that as followers of Christ, as we've talked about before, our position is now different before God, right? We are what we call justified. We have been changed, right, from the inside out. So we are now positionally brand new and different before God. We are what we call justified. But, so we have a hope. Let's say we have a hope of eternal life because of that, but the experience of living the Christian life, experiencing the blessings, enjoying fellowship with God, that comes about as we read and as we grow and gain in our knowledge and understanding and then application of the Word. You know how I often talk about those three words that are really important to us here at Trinity about learn, grow, and serve? It's right in there. That's all about living the... The blessed Christian life. Because as we grow in our knowledge, and then we, we, uh, we gain understanding so that we're growing and maturing in the faith, in our trust of the Lord Jesus, then what happens is we apply that to our lives. And the outworking is our service. See, it's learn, grow, serve. It's knowledge, it's understanding, it's application. But let's make sure it's clear right here that this truly is conditional because what we're going to see is the psalmist starts with the negative that happened a, a lot in in jewish writing it's very popular so we don't want to we don't want to just focus just on that but that's how he starts he says this is the negative aspect of it all right and so we're going to see in verse one he says blessed is the man who walks not okay so he's going to give you the negative like you're blessed if you don't do these things okay then in verse 2, he's going to show us how we're blessed by what we do uh, accomplish and what we do seek out. All right? And so first of all, the negative. He says basically, avoid these things. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. See, what he's really talking about is influences. Perhaps it'll be a a good encouragement for all of us for the year 2017 to kind of take stock of all those things and people in our lives that influence us the most. One of the things that we talked about often as, as a youth pastor in youth ministry was how much our friends influence us, right? Especially you remember when you're a teenager, right? How important it is. A lot of people say that like their middle school years were the worst ever in their life, right? But What's so important to you when you're that age and when you're kind of growing in your identity, it's that people like you and accept you. And so 
the people that you hang around with really start to dictate like the, the clothes you wear. Remember those parachute pants that you had in the 80s? Was I the only one? Oh, man. I shouldn't have brought that up. Right? Or the hairstyle. Right? Or the mullet that you had. Nobody else had a mullet? Oh, that's no good. Right? And so, you did. That's all right. It turned into a ponytail. That's okay. It's good. We like it. But it's like, you know, all these things, like the music you listen to, right? The places that you go, it's all influenced by the people that you choose to surround yourself with. But it even goes beyond that. It really is all about those influences that are, as we say, the world, the world system that is not God's system, that are really fighting for our attention. We talk about it a lot because it really is important. And so things like we, all, we often hear about how much time we sit in front of a computer or we watch TV or whatever it is that you do that may take more time away from you developing in your relationship with God. What we know about is that these influences can be very strong. And the temptations, the things of this world and that our enemy will, will very deceptively put in our path can really influence us. And that's what he's talking about here. So I want to show you something really cool. If you look at this, there's three pairs of, we call it triplets, or three pairs of three things. So if you notice, there's a progression. It's actually a, um, a regression from, from being holy right to wickedness. Is What he's saying is that this is a slippery slope. So watch this. He said, you're blessed if you avoid these things. So watch the progression here, or the regression. He says, walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers. We're going to look at each of those together. But first look at the words, the first words of each of those three pairs. We have walk, stand, and then sit. Walk, stand, and sit. Do you see the progression here is that the idea simply is, as we let negative influences dictate kind of how we think and what we do, there is this natural progression. It is a slippery slope, almost where we can let it happen to us if we are not careful, and then he'll tell us in verse 2 how to, how to, how to avoid this, to go down this slippery slope from this. First, walking. So when you walk, you're heading in a direction. So, so that's dangerous enough. But walking, right, walking in the counsel of the wicked, you're walking. And so you're kind of making some progression, you're going along, and so it's this idea of following. When you walk, you're following. But then he says, standing or standing in the way of sinners. So you go from walking to now you slow down and you stand because you're becoming a little more committed. You see that? Like if you're heading somewhere and you're walking and all of a sudden you slow down, it's like you kind of arrived and you stand. And now when you're standing, you're more influenced. Because you're not moving, now you're just kind of being more influenced. You see that? So you go from walking to then standing, which means you're more firm in whatever it is that's influencing you, to then it goes to sit. So you're walking, you're standing, now all of a sudden you're sitting. Because when you sit, you get more comfortable. You get more content. See that? But then the same thing happens with the second word of each of those those um, uh, three things right there. He goes, walk in the counsel. So a counsel would be like a way of thinking. Do you ever seek counsel? The Bible says to seek wise counsel. It means to get advice. How should I think? What should I do in this situation? Tell me how to process this situation that I'm going through. So the counsel is like a way of thinking. But then it moves from just a way of thinking to then he says, to nor stand in the way of sinners. So then the, 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 um, the counsel becomes an actual way. And the word, the word way has this connotation of habits or a pattern that begin, begins to form. You see that? So it goes beyond just kind of thinking sometimes of the way of the world. And then it becomes, as you do that more and more, little by little, it becomes a pattern of behavior. And habits are formed. That's the way. And then it moves from the council to the way to the seat. Right? Because then what's happening is you are taking the place of somebody. Like if you were to sit in somebody's seat, the idea of that word there, 
To sit in their seat is like you become them. So you really take on their identity. So you go from just kind of hearing, like letting these things influence you where you kind of hear these negative things to where you start to develop patterns and habits because you keep listening to it and giving into it to now you become very comfortable with it and then you kind of sit. And then you're really taking on the identity. But then the third, and we're going to put these all together in just a second, but then the third word of each, we have wicked, wicked sinners and scoffers. Do you see that? So we had walking, standing, and sitting. We have the counsel, the way, and then the seat. And then we go to the wicked, the sinners, and the progression to scoffers. So the wicked are those who are simply opposed to God. This could really even just mean in our selfish desires. I mean, it's a really strong word, right? We don't quite use that word a lot these days. But what that word wicked is really saying is it's, it really gives this idea of selfishness. It's about doing things our, on our own way, in our own self, rather than in God's way. So it goes from a being opposed to God and, and being selfish as wicked to sinners. That, then that word really means that you're deliberately choosing to disobey God. You just go from kind of opposing God, maybe even kind of being indifferent, to now as a sinner, this is saying that you're deliberately choosing to disobey God, where a scoffer is then intentionally and actively disobeying God, even to the point where he is blaspheming or speaking out against, intentionally going out of your way to do it. You see the sort of regression there? And so what the psalmist is saying at the very beginning of Psalms, he's like, this is what you're going to see a lot in this book, and all these different songs and, and songs of worship and crying out to God and songs of praise and everything in between, you're going to see two kinds of people that keep coming up. Those that are blessed and those that are not, those that are happy, and those that are miserable. Those that are on the path of righteousness, and those who are on the path of the wicked. And so he says, here's what you need to avoid. Avoid walking in the counsel of the wicked. Avoid standing in the way of sinners, or sitting in the seat of scoffers. Each one of those three has this progression. So he says, you will be happy and live a blessed life, If you first do not think like those who are indifferent and selfish and opposed to God, you'll be happy and live a blessed life if you're careful not to let sinful habits take root and become your normal way of life. And then he finally says, you will live a blessed and happy life if you do not then take the seat or identify with and become comfortable as a scoffer. So what does it truly mean to be a scoffer? Well, we're going to see that in just a second because here's what happens. We see in verse 2, he gives us the positive. The verse 2, he says, but, so if you avoid these things, you'll be blessed. He says, but, here's the positive, the one who is blessed delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So what characterizes somebody who is living a blessed life is their relationship with the Word of God. I want to say that again. The main thing that can truly characterize the life of a blessed person following hard after God is their relationship with God's Word. It's about reading and studying God's Word, enjoying it and meditating on it. Look at what it says. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. What a great word. Maybe a word we don't often use as well either, but the question for us then is, as we start this new year, do we delight in the law of the Lord? What what are some things in in life, just kind of think, that you delight in? What are some things that you might delight in in your life? Like, what does that word kind kind of bring to mind? You know, something, maybe sometimes it's, it's that first like warm day of spring and the sun comes out and there's like a, a delight there. It's, it's a true feeling of happiness. Maybe you delight in, in um, the, the first ice cream cone that you have for the summer. I don't know. Just thinking of warm things because it's so cold out today. Things in life that you delight in. Now often in Scripture, and maybe your mind was going this way too, but often in Scripture that word delight is used in the context 
of a romantic relationship, an intimate relationship between a man and a woman. And that's this idea of that you delight in your spouse, or you delight in your partner, which means you just enjoy spending time together. You enjoy everything about that person. You just enjoy kind of being in their presence. You see that? That's delight. That's really what that means. So he says, you'll be blessed if you avoid these things. Avoid going down that slippery slope, but then you'll be blessed in a positive way if you delight in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord simply means the Word of God, the Bible. It's, it's our source of truth. It is what the Holy Spirit uses to convict us. The Word says that the Spirit illuminates the Word of God in our lives. It brings to mind those Scriptures that we've read. You see, that's, that's one of the, the great things that the Holy Spirit does within us, working through the truth of the Word of God. So delighting in something is truly giving it special attention. Maybe you remember the the first date that you had with the person that became your spouse, and you remember like how you wanted to give so much special attention. Some of us have great funny stories about how like our we had good intentions, but things didn't go so well, right? But you know you have these good intentions because you really want to give special attention to that person because there's a special enjoyment. Nobody's forcing you, but it truly is something that you desire. So the psalmist is saying that is the way we should approach God's Word. With happiness, with joy, with delight. Not looking at it as a chore. We've all been there, right? Like, I do my devotions today. Yeah, give it a couple minutes. I mean, we all know what that's like and we feel that, right? But he's saying, no, we should approach the great truth of God's Word with joy and with delight. With delight. You remember what it says in Acts 2? We, we went over it. Remember we're going through the book of Acts. But when we first started, what it said the apostles were doing, it said in Acts 2, uh, 42 to 47, it said they were devoting themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. Remember that? And the breaking of bread and the prayer. And It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and their numbers were increasing. See, they were delighting in enjoying the Word of God together right remember the story of of ezra who was as the priest was commissioned to to bring the word of god and when the people had come back and the the walls of the temple rebuilt and they were like we want the word of god remember that they were clamoring for it so ezra goes and pulls it out reading and thousands of them are standing and they're weeping and and they're just shouting because they stood for six hours they stood to listen to the word of god because they had missed it for so long they had missed it for so long. And then it's sort of the opposite. You remember what happens with King Josiah in Second Kings. It's in chapters 22 and 23. About how he's sending some people to go get some money, right, from the, the, the sort of the accounting office. And the guy comes back and says, I found the book. And King Josiah, who was a young king at the time, had realized that his ancestors had neglected the Word of God, the law of God, the books of of Moses, and so it says he weeps and and he realizes what had been going wrong, and so he is now dedicating. We need to read this word, is because they hadn't have it. See, we have it readily available to us, don't we? Twenty four seven. I mean, m- many of you, I say, open the Word of God, and what do you do? You pull out your phone, right? You got it with you all the time. You don't need to carry around this big Bible. You have it there. So we have access to it all the time. It is to be our delight. And our joy. So he says we are to delight in the truth. You know, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has put eternity in the heart of man. So in the context there, Solomon is reflecting on the labors of life and how they all seem fruitless without knowing the meaning. But he says God has put the capacity and the desire to want to know the meaning and to know the meaning of life. We have that desire within us. It is a desire to know the truth. Remember, Scripture says it's that truth that will set us free. So we should delight in opening the Word of God and being like, what a journey it is. God, what are you going to teach me today? And I know you've all experienced that. But what the psalmist is saying is that you will truly live 
a blessed life each and every day if you are first and foremost delighting yourself in the law of the Lord. And then he says, and on his law, he meditates day and night. Day and night, all the time. So he goes from delight to meditate. That's important too. See, there's a lot of contrast here. You see that? And, the way, and these words are important, so don't just skim over it. So he says, then you'll be blessed if you delight in the Lord. Like, that's your response? God gives us the truth, man. We should delight in that and want to devour it and read it and spend time with it. Remember that's what I said delight means? It's like finding pleasure in just being in somebody's presence. When you like delight in, in, in your, your partner, your spouse. and It's the same thing. We should just enjoy being in the presence of God. And So when we open His Word, He gets to speak to us. It's been said the Bible is like a love letter to us. Right? How often in the Old Testament is the people of God seen as, as God's bride. And then of course the church now we know is the, the bride of, of, of Christ, the Messiah. So there is this love relationship, this intimate relationship. So we open the Word of God. It's like rereading those love letters that you got from your spouse when you were dating, right? But not so that you can then go to them and say, how come you don't write me love letters anymore? Right? But the idea is that, man, this is God speaking to us. And so we shouldn't approach the Word of God with drudgery, but with delight. So we move from delight to then meditation. Meditation is great too, but you know what it means? It's a little bit more work. Okay, that's when we get to the discipline of it. So our first response is delight, that we want to do it. We get to open the Word of God and read it, but then he says to delight it, but then you meditate on it. So meditation on the Word of God is a discipline. It takes some effort, and it takes some work, and you're putting forth that effort. You're being intentional about it, it doesn't just happen. You read a passage of Scripture and you read it over again and you contemplate it. You pray through it. You meditate on it. You let it sink deep from your mind into your heart. Look at what it says um, then at the end. He says in verse 3, he kind of gives an illustration of what this should look like. All right? So the last few minutes we're just going to look at this. Verse 3. So he said first that you're blessed if you avoid those things. Right? Counsel the wicked, weigh the sinners, see to the scoffers. But your delight is in the law of the Lord. Meditate on it all the time. And he says, here's what you'll be like. You'll be like a tree. Don't we all want to be like a tree? There's a funny funny line from Back to the Future, like that movie where Biff, he's, he thinks he's so cool, but he always gets the lines wrong. And he says, McFly, he says, make like a tree and get out of here. Supposed to be make like a tree and leave, right? Make like a tree and get out of here. But so okay, so we're called to be trees. He says, if you are living the blessed life, you're going to be like a tree. Well, how is that good? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Just kind of picture it, and its leaf does not wither. All that he does, he prospers. So just picture it. You can even close your eyes and picture it. A beautiful, let's say a tall, beautiful oak tree. A big, strong tree. It's planted right by a stream of water where there's always a source of nutrients and health and life and vitality. So then that tree will yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither because all that he does, he prospers. Jeremiah 17 says this. Just listen to these words. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert. He shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose trust is the Lord, for he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. If you want to write that down, that's Jeremiah 17, 5-8. Does that sound a lot like Psalm 1-3? It's exactly like it. 
It says, cursed is the man. Remember, there's two kinds of people. Blessed and cursed. Cursed is the man who trusts in man or himself or in others. In, in earthly, worldly wisdom. He says he'll be not like a tree. He's going to be like a shrub in the desert where there's no water. See the difference between a shrub in the desert and a tall tree by a stream of water? See the difference? It couldn't be more, it couldn't be more opposite. And that is what, that is what he's telling us. You ever notice also, if you look at this, you'll see that a stream is always moving, isn't it? It's a stream of living water. It's a stream of water that provides constant feeding. So it's not like the tree has roots and it once in a while just kind of goes in to try to find some water, scarcely finding a little bit of water here and there. No, if you're living that blessed life because you're finding delight in the law of the Lord and you're meditating on it all the time because it's fun and you love it and you see how it's changing you from the inside out, so you're going to be like that tree, not that's kind of scrambling under the surface for water, but you're going to be right next to that flowing stream of water, like a constant source, a constant source of help. So that's what it means for us to meditate on the Word of God day and night. Because it's like a stream that is constantly flowing, constantly feeding us. A tree has deep roots and it's sturdy. See, spiritual growth is also long-term. You know how many years it takes these big, tall trees to grow? I mean, you can, if you cut it down, you see the rings, you know, like maybe 100 years, right? 50, 100 years. It's like, it takes a long time. So let's remember this also. It says, it yields its fruit in its season. It takes time. Growing in the Lord takes time. So there is always hope. Don't be discouraged. We get one day at a time to live, right? God doesn't promise tomorrow. We have today. And if God gives us a new day tomorrow, then we'll bless Him for it and we'll accept it as a gift. But what we do is one day at a time, we seek to learn and to grow and to serve. All the while, doing that together. But He says that it yields its fruit in its season. Because spiritual growth doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It's slow Instead, there is no quick fix. It's about consistency. Also notice here that he says it's planted by streams of water. In the Hebrew, that word planted actually has this connotation of being transplanted. It wasn't just there originally. It was put there. It was transplanted and put there. It's like our position before God. We were, taking for, we were taken from death Now into life, we were taken from the desert where there is no water and no hope. Now put next to a stream of constantly flowing water. We are now put, excuse me, now put in fertile soil. And what happens when you transplant something that is dying or that is doomed to failure and you transplant it into fertile soil? You have now created conditions for growth and health and prosperity. You move from just surviving to thriving. Don't we all want that in life? Sometimes we feel like I'm just surviving one day at a time. Just surviving. God wants us to thrive. That He wants us to thrive and not just survive. And that's that picture of a great tree planted by streams of water. And then it will yield its fruit in its season. So as you pray, and as God blesses you, remember this also. That spiritual maturity doesn't happen overnight. That you may not see that change in your life that you're hoping for right away. But let it be in its season. In God's season. Does the farmer make the apple tree Produce apples on a certain day so that he can harvest it. No, it is God who does that. You see, it's God working in us. And so we need to be patient. And so we pray, and we read, and we're growing. But it is God who will produce His fruit in us in His timing. That's what it means by in its season. 
I think that's so important. We can get ahead of ourselves, can't we? And just get anxious and worried and even frustrated. God's not blessing me. I need it quicker. It's not happening yet. This year, God, this year has got to be it for me. I'm running out of time. He says that that tree planted by streams of water, it will produce fruit. It absolutely will. But in its own season. But the other thing to notice about seasons is that they come back, don't they? We had a winter last year. Here we are again. We're hoping for another spring and a summer and there's a cycle to it. The same thing with a a fruit tree, an apple tree. It will produce its fruit. And we'll enjoy it. And then it'll come back again next year in its season. So as you grow and as you mature and as you are planted there by a stream of, of flowing water, that you will produce fruit. Remember, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. That it is that fruit that will grow within you. It's God's fruit. This fruit of the Holy Spirit swelling up in front of you. He will bear love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control in you because you're feeding on His truth. See how that works? So you're not responsible to make it happen. You're responsible to be obedient. To surrender yourself. To take delight in the law of the Lord. He says, if you do that, if you do that, then you're going to be like that tree planted by streams of water constantly flowing so that you have that constant encouragement and constant growth. You will produce fruit as God desires in you. As God does it, He'll produce His fruit in you in His season. And then it says, your leaf will not wither. So as weather changes, as the circumstances of your life change, your fruit will still grow. How important is that? That as, you, as your, your, your roots grow deep and tap into that stream of water, that your leaves will not wither. Because even if the sun is too much to bear, if the heat of any situation in life is too much, or if your life just seems to be a constant state of winter and cold and you feel kind of lost and alone, what is God saying? That if you delight in His Word and you meditate on it day and night, no matter what life will bring, no matter what circumstances change in your life, you will still produce fruit because God is alive in you and you're letting Him do His thing. And then finally it says, in all that He does, He prospers. And we'll kind of end with this. It certainly is not advocating for what we know today is preached in many churches, unfortunately. The health and wealth gospel, the prosperity gospel, you've heard about it. It's that name it and claim it, that God wants you to be rich, God wants you to have power, God wants you to have authority, and all those things that you name it, then you'll get it. This is not what it's saying. He says at the end of this in verse 3, all that he does, he prospers. Does it mean that everything in our life will be perfect if all we do is read God's Word? No. But what he's saying is that everything, listen, everything that's produced in you will have to prosper if it's from God. And it will be God's work in you and His fruit if you're meditating on His Word day and night. If you're following after His will and not your own. You remember what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says? Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to do what? To present yourselves as living sacrifices, right? Holy and pleasing to the Lord. And so we are supposed to not be, tri- not be um, conformed to this world. It goes on to say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how we're transformed. So Paul is saying it right there, exactly what it says in, in here in Psalm. Psalm 1. Do not let the world influence you to the point where you pick up its habits and you're sitting in the seat of scoffers, following the way of sinners, walking after the wicked. But that you would allow the truth, the Word of God, as you delight in it, to transform your mind so that you're no longer conformed to the world, but transformed 
by the renewing daily, daily, daily of your life. And then he says at the end, you'll prosper. There will be adversity. adversity. There will be suffering. It's certainly part of life. For after all, a man who is blessed, it's said this way, a man who is blessed is still a man. You know what that means? We're still human. So even though we're blessed, we're still going to face adversity. We live in an imperfect world in imperfect bodies with imperfect minds. But you know what? The hope there is that God often uses suffering and adversity in our lives to bear fruit. I say that again? That's really important. So when you're suffering adversity this year, when something doesn't go right, unfortunately if there's a tragedy in your life or or you lose a job or something happens in your life and you come before God, remember, if you're delighting in His Word and meditating on it day and night, day and night, and you're avoiding those other things that He says to avoid, that slippery slope of allowing the world little by little to influence you, that He will use those times of adversity and suffering to still produce fruit in you. And how sweet that fruit can be that God produces in the life of one who is blessed even because of adversity and suffering. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up Your Word in my heart that I might not sin against You. That we would avoid those pitfalls, and those temptations as we hide God's Word in our heart. So the encouragement, but also the challenge for this new year is that you would find a consistent time and place and a plan for reading God's Word. Read it slowly. Read it carefully. That word meditate, when it says meditate on God's Word day and night, again, going back to the Hebrew, the original language, it really has this idea of reading it out loud. Have you ever done that? Even just by yourself. You might think it sounds silly, but you're by yourself in your room or you're in your car. I hope you're not reading when you're in your car, but you know, you're alone, right? And you're reading. The Word of God is meant to be read out loud. It really is. You look at the, the letters of the New Testament, they passed it around to churches. They were read out loud. Not everybody had a copy. There was one copy, so they read it out loud. And people would listen. Read the Word of God slowly in your devotions. As you meditate on it, read it out loud. It will come alive in a different way to you. Read it and reread it. Read it prayerfully. Have a pen and a journal. Memorize texts that you read to hide it in your heart, like Psalm 119 says. Study a whole book of the Bible. That's why we go through books of the Bible here. We're going through the book of Acts, right? We go through verse by verse the whole counsel of God. Maybe your desire is to read through the book, read through the whole Bible in a year. Have a good commentary with you that you trust. One that can help to explain, maybe with your study Bible. Maybe even have an accountability partner to help you stay delighting in the Word of God. So the more that we meditate on it, the deeper our roots go towards that stream of life-giving water. I just want to end by just reading these three verses once again. Just It won't be up on the screen. It is, but it's there you go. That's okay. Just close your eyes and just listen to it. Maybe you'll hear it in a different way. And as you kind of smell the soup that's just beyond that wall behind you, it's just, just, it just is eluding you just a little bit. Before we close with our, our hymn for today, just listen to these three verses again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on His law, He meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that He does, 
he prospers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, God, for the Psalter, for this collection of songs of worship, of adoration. Songs where we see the writers crying out to you, desperate before you, because they are seeking a life of righteousness, but yet they see the wicked prosper. Oh God, we often cry out to you about that ourselves. Why is it the wicked world around us can prosper? God, just remind us every day that our delight is in you and is in your word. And that like that love letter to us, that we would cherish it, delight in it, give it special attention, just like to be in your presence through your word. God, help us to to meditate on it, to study it, to memorize it, to let it sink deep so that it would then change us from the inside out as the Spirit leads. And God, we then know that we will be like that grand that grand tree next to the stream of water, that our roots will sink deep, we'll be able to continually drink of that stream of living water, that no matter what comes our way, that our leaves will not wither. But all that we do, when it's in your will, according to your word, it will prosper. Because we know it will be you working out your will in our lives. Bearing your fruit for your glory. So we give you the praise and the honor that is due your name for the relationship we can have in you through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Let us delight in that as well. That we have freedom and the ability to be in a relationship with you, holy God. We praise you for that. We praise you for Jesus. We thank you for the word. Amen.